before we begin today's show. Season 8, Heavy Metals Inside the Caroli Gymnastics Empire is a groundbreaking seven-part podcast series that takes listeners on a deep dive into the lives and influence of Bella and Marta Caroli, the most successful and controversial coaches in USA Gymnastics history. Subscribe now to the 30 for 30 feed on Apple Podcasts. The whole season is now available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. Joining us to do it today from Boston is Jackie McMullen. Jackie, hope you enjoyed your little time off you had recently. Hope you got some recharge. I did with my family. I did all sorts of things I shouldn't have, like play basketball and mm. swim to the island. All bad for my neck, but I would do it again. I would do what it. island? What island are you swimming? Oh, from? there's just we we live on a, our place is on a little bay, and there's just a little island. It's not that long of a swim, except for if you're me, which I'm not much of a swimmer. But it felt great. I did it with my kids, so that's why it was great. All right. Did, uh, did you get us? buckets? Hold on. Did you get buckets? Like, do you still have game or what? So you, I, so I was really bad for a while, and then so this was a four on four game with my sister and her significant other. And we were playing against younger, like all Doug and his 23-something-year-olds. Mm. So now the four of us, at all the older people, we all had some serious credentials back in the day. But as we know, Father Time is undefeated, and he remains undefeated. Ah. <laughs> but I had a little spurt near the end where I just got mad because I was so bad. And then I started jumping, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not supposed to jump ever mm. again and so then i started because that was my game rebounding right put back so i started jumping and i felt a little better about myself until i woke up the next day and thought gotcha. oh my god you know i feel like jackie's got sharp elbows mcmahon oh for sure no pointy question. elbows as my friend tony reale says both on the court and on the air uh, all right that's uh, right yeah I, I was gonna say i think that's helped her in her career for sure that's uh that's uh, tim mcmahon joining us from dallas texas um so Jackie, after so much analysis and talk about the bubble, I was actually really relieved um, and excited when um, Brett Brown and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons gave some interviews over the last few days and talked about a pretty major change to the Sixers um, to the Sixers strategy coming into the restart and really and just excited because it's basketball strategy talk amongst one of the most interesting teams out there and. Um, they, they flirted with this, uh, before, uh, I guess it was February, uh, but then Ben Simmons got hurt, hurt his back and got right. shut down. But, um, Al Horford is going to be taken out of the starting lineup, put back on the bench. And, um, uh, Ben Simmons is going to go to power forward. He's no longer going to play point guard. I don't know if they announced this, but I think it's going to be shake Milton. Who's there. Shake, uh, right. Second yeah, he's been year playing guard. great. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jackie, I, I, you are uh, you closely follow the 76ers. Um, what did you make of uh, of these of these decisions uh, coming out here? I think it's the right thing to do. And, and it's not to disrespect Al Horford, who I still think will have a major impact on this team. And in fact, if he doesn't have a major impact on this team, it's bad news for this team. Just because they're doing this to start the game doesn't mean it always ends up this way, as you guys all know. And the numbers tell us. It's pretty blatant. And everyone always talks about Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid. Not, the number's not good for them playing together. 
that's not really true. They're not as good as they were, but they've still been in the plus. The bad numbers were Al Horford and Joel Embiid on the court together. And so this solves that problem to a degree. I think it takes some pressure off Al, who, if you remember, just before we left for this pandemic, was getting a lot of grief from the Sixers fans because Al's never going to be a box stuffer, a box score stuffer. He's a, his, his talents are more subtle than that. Um, there was a guy here in Boston, Lou Morloni, one of my favorite Red Sox players of all time, great guy, but he was calling him average Al while he was here in Boston because he was looking strictly <laughs> at the numbers. Okay. That's it's, that's cheap but funny. <laughs> right. But we but we all of us who watch Al understand what he did for the Celtics and what he could do for the Sixers, but really hasn't done, in part because he hasn't had the ball in his hands that much. So I think this is gonna help Al Horford and I think it's gonna help the Sixers. And I mean, we all know this is where Ben Simmons belongs. And then I'm mm-hmm. not saying that Ben Simmons can't play the point. And that he won't play the point in the future. But for this shortened little, whatever you want to call this, bubble palooza re- redo, this makes great sense because you don't have time. You don't have time. And, and, and Ben Simmons can play power forward in his sleep. Yeah. Al, Al Horford's well, having the worst shooting season of his career, but part of that is because they've taken away the pick and roll right, action in his right. game. Absolutely. It's not all his fault. It just isn't. I mean... Not really. They, they got Ben Simmons in, in the position that is his natural position. And, and you know, I, I think this is a move that they had to make to try to see if the, the Simmons and Bead thing is, is, can, can reach its potential. It's not can they be pretty good with that, with that team. It's can, with two of the top, you know, we can argue top 10, top 15, wherever you want to say they are. With those two guys together – you know, can can it be two plus two equals four instead of two plus two equals equals three? Um, and it's not it's not that look Simmons to me. You know, I've said it before. I look at him and see the potential for him to be like a six foot ten hyper athletic version of Draymond Green. He's still going to be a playmaker. You know, he's still going to have the ball in his hands. But it's just when do you want the ball in his hands? You want the ball in his hands when he's ripping down a rebound and flying up the floor in transition. You don't necessarily want want him to be the primary initiator of a half-court offense. No, you're so right. And, you know, he he, he also ha- can be a screener. He can be a short-roll passer. He can do all of those things. And, and, and just because we're putting him – that's why this whole position is basketball that we talk about all the time. To me, this is a perfect example of it. I mean, didn't Ben Simmons play power forward a lot anyway? I feel like he did. So uh, – your, your point is, the, is an excellent one, Tim. Ben Simmons in transition is close to unstoppable when he gets a full head of steam because he's so strong, so quick, so smart. And, and that's not going to change. This is also about Shake Milton. Now, Shake Milton. It is. Yeah, you're right. Um, Shake Milton was a two-way player last year. Um, I really didn't know much about him at all. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't verify that I'd seen, I even saw him play once last season. And then I was at the Sixers media day this year and I ran into him, and I didn't even recognize him as a 76ers player, to be honest with you. Um, so he has. So they signed him in the offseason. Uh, he was a, he was a second round draft pick. They signed him in the offseason to a long term deal or a multi year deal. I don't know how it was long term. Um, so he's made 
he's played 32 games this year, but he's made 16 starts. Let me give you Shake Milton's stats as a starter. And a lot of it came because of Simmons' injury. Um, but this are, but in those 16 starts, he's averaged 28 minutes in those games. 14 points, 3 rebounds, 3.6 assists, and then here is the big numbers. 54% um, uh, 54% overall shooting, 50% on threes. And that is taking, um, in those 16 games, 73s. So it's not like he's shooting one a game. Right. Um, so this is the kind of floor stretcher, uh, shot creator, um, that has been missing from this lineup. And, you know, frankly, this isn't just about Al. It's also about Shake Milton. And I applaud Brett Brown. I mean, maybe maybe this was a layup. Maybe this was going to happen anyway. Maybe this is what he was always planning on doing. But I applaud Brett Brown for doing it right now because I think that it was clear that he ne- they needed to shake things up. And also, Tobias Harris had an interesting throwaway line. I was not on the Zoom press conference. I only saw the quotes afterwards. But he sort of just moved right past this. So, so I, I, it's hard for me to know whether he was just sort of saying this parenthetically or he was making a point. But in reading the quote, he said, you know, everybody knows our chemistry wasn't that good this year. And while that's obvious um, to anybody who spent a lot of time watching the team, I think it's important for them to say that. And I think it's important for them to address it and try to alter their lineup. Um, I also think it was interesting that Joel, um, when he was asked, um, when he came back and gave his first interview from Orlando, he was asked about how the offense should run. And I think that these, I think it should be obvious. I think it should be through me. So, you know, that was the one thing about Joel this season is that he, you know, was yielding at times, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was talking about being the MVP, but then he found himself yielding because either he or Simmons had to sacrifice and he felt he had sacrificed more. So here you have Joel at least talking the game like he doesn't want to do that anymore. So we'll see all that plays out, Jackie. Yes, but I, I think so. That's the one the one question mark you would have is as you go into this bubble, the starting lineup that we just unveiled has played exactly zero times together. Zero. Yeah. Okay. Right. Zero times. So this is good for them to have this two week training camp or however long it is. I've lost track at this point and see if they could develop. I, I think it's going to be fine. And I also think. You're making a mistake if you if you think that Al Horford's now out of the mix. I just don't think that's the case. Right, I think no, right. You know, they're going to find a way. I, I, I was just looking at our, our colleague Tim Bontemps' story again because he had some good numbers in that story. And, you know, to illustrate the point we were talking about, um, when Joel Embiid was on the floor without Al Horford, the Sixers were 8.9 points per 100 possessions better. When he was on the court, when Horford was on the court without Embiid, Philadelphia 5.2 points per 100 possessions, better than the opposition. When they were together, outscored by 1.3 points per 100 possessions. The numbers are right there. You know, Al, Dave, Horford, yeah, Al Horford's a center in, in the mm-hmm. modern NBA. And I would even argue, and I've said this before on this podcast, I think for periods of games, Ben Simmons is a center in the NBA, can be an NBA, depending on who's out there for the opposition. Or depending so, on what team he's on. Yeah, but That's different true. kinds. I mean, you just named two players that could play center, but they're going to play it very differently. I mean, I know. Al, my point is they're Al trying Hooper to get, they, shoot threes. He can. Well, I mean, Tobias Harris could play center under some circumstances, but right. I think I think they've been trying to play essentially with three different center types out there, which is kind of right. clunky. It's clunky. What were, you, what were you saying, McMahon? If, if we're going to be talking numbers, 
It, it is small sample size theater, but it's it's you know worth mentioning. Uh, Embiid, Simmons, Milton on the floor together, 113 minutes, net rating minus 13.7. That oh. is the that is the worst that now How about that again, huh? and and I think you got to kind of I got to ask a question was Horford on the floor with them just curious you know th- that's a good question short answer is I don't know I think it's also worth mentioning this is you know they do have a training camp to kind of you know work on that and 113 minutes it's over it's over eight games you know it's I think having a training camp to kind of define the roles, you know, my guess is Simmons was playing point guard there. Milton was, was off the ball, but you know, again, it's to me, this makes a lot of sense, but it's not like, you know, there's statistical evidence of boom, this is the solution. I I think it can be, but you know, it's not like the small sample size that they have together has been just spectacular basketball. I like that. They're just changing up though. I'm not, I'm not, positing that this is going to work i just like that brett brown is being aggressive because um jackie it's the six if, if the sixers have a disappointing season there's going to be changes and brett knows that that could include him so uh, you know he's fighting uh base i mean i don't know if i want to say he's fighting to keep his job but he is he is under pressure to try to do something to shake it up yeah no that's true but but i i think i've talked to brett once or twice over uh, the course of the layoff for various stories I was doing. And um, I think this is something he had been contemplating anyway, because, you know, you can, you can go back with what you have, but you're, what are they sixth right now in the East? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. We all know that they're better than that. And Brett knows that he's not a dummy. And with Simmons so healthy. All right. This is really funny. I have to tell you guys something. This is very funny. Uh, someone just sent me <laughs> a video of Ben Simmons hitting a three in practice. <laughs> well, I've seen him hit threes in practice myself. Right, no, right but I, I just, but I'm just right, thinking this is very right funny because we're, ta- we're literally talking about it in real hand. And, and yeah. it looks, uh, let me play it again. Was it Brett Brown? <laughs> no, it was not Brett Brown. But come on, that would be really funny. Ben uh, Simmons stretched four. Hold on. I'm looking. I'm going to tell you. This is so funny that someone's, yeah, let's see. And he shoots it lefty. Yeah. Um, is he landing on one foot or two? I'm not oh, a shooting that's, coach, but that's a big factor. He looks great. That's all I'm going to say. That's okay. very funny. That's a very funny um, thing that's happened. Okay. By the way, as you know, they would be lined up with uh, with Boston, depending on what happens in the seeding games. Um, Jackie, uh, the Celtics were a little evasive about what was going on with Kemba Walker, and finally Brad Stevens had to come clean. Kemba, when he started up workouts again, that knee started bothering him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is this is a, a yellow warning light for the Celtics. I feel oh, like yeah. uh, it, not it, just it, for it, this it, season, but also that they invested a hundred million in him. Yes, yes, and I I feel I was you know it's funny I was I tried to reach Kemba a bunch of times during this layoff because in my head this is the way I think sometimes I'm like I wonder if he had like a little scope or something right. You know, maybe. And I have no evidence of that. And I'm pretty sure he right. didn't. But I wanted to, you know, see because he he was really, really struggling uh, the final weeks before this 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 halt to the season. Now, the beneficiary of that and no one really benefits from that, obviously, because he's such a huge part of what they do. But, you know, that's it coincided with Jason Tatum just taking off like a rocket ship 
And uh, but that doesn't mean they don't need Kemba Walker. They, no one ever, ever should mistake that. So I, I do think there's grave concern there. Uh, Kemba is so important to them especially his perimeter shooting, obviously, but other things. So he's just a leader. Yeah, you know, I, I have no idea about how his leg was feeling, but you know, the interesting thing was he, he played in that interminable fourth quarter in the all-star game in the Elam ending right. where everybody, everybody played like 20 minutes at this yeah. super high intensity. Right. And he just really, you know, I'm not saying it's like, remember, you know, Pedro Martinez in the all-star game, like might've thrown his arm out. Um, yeah, but man, it was worth it. I got that framed <laughs> on my wall in my house. I was there with my dad, and my husband was there with his dad, and they were talking about watching Babe Ruth play. True story. So continue. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, uh, by the way, I mean, the, the Elam ending, the fourth quarter of the All-Star game is the most fun I've had watching oh, basketball so cool. in a long time. Very cool. Um, I just looked so. up in, interminable. Uh, oh, very long. Good, good use of the word. Right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Stay in the uh, often used. Yeah. So I think Kemba, I think Kemba for them. I mean, I, I don't want to just point to that moment, Brian, in that all-star game, because I think this has been something that. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Nagging at him is for it, a while. But I, is I, it I will, after that, he, he really seemed to still be struggling with the knee right. after the all-star break. So here's a nice segue for you, because I think I know where you're going next. So sh- this is my, my way of assisting you. Um, the Celtics are hoping that uh, the Sixers have great success with this new lineup and that the Pacers dropped to sixth in the standings because why? There well, you go. That's because the, te- the team that's struggling, team that's struggling that they struggled the most against in the regular season in the East was the Sixers. They would no, like no. to not see. No, 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 no. Come on. I'm, I'm here. No, I know, but I'm, I know, but I'm explaining why the six, why the Celtics would not want the Sixers in the sixth spot. Um, I wrote a story yesterday about Victor Oladipo's really sort of interesting. I actually wanted to call it a gray area, but as I started talking to sources with the league, the union and the Pacers, they said, it's actually not a gray area. Um, mm. uh, if he, if he doesn't play, he's not going to get paid. So Victor Oladipo has, is owed 3 million, um, give or take. It's actually 3.2 million, but when you take out the escrow, it's 2.7 million. Don't pay attention to that. It's, just say three million. He's owed three million bucks, but he has announced via an interview with the Athletic. He said, "I'm healthy, but I'm not playing." And under the rules, if you are healthy and elect not to play, like Avery Bradley and Trevor Ariza, um, among others, um, you don't get paid. So the union says, "Hey, he's down there. Um, he went through quarantine. He's down there practicing with this team. He's demonstrating an, an attempt to play. He just doesn't feel comfortable playing." And uh, the league is saying, and the Pacers, by the way, are fine. They're, they're like, hey, we support him no matter what. We are gonna, we're ready to pay him, no problem. But the league is like, look, we can't set the precedent that somebody could just, you know, what they don't want is somebody to say, listen, I'm tired of being in here in Orlando. I'm going to walk. Um, they don't want the precedent that, that that you can just opt out healthy and not get paid. And so I think they intend to hold Victor's feet to the fire here. And Victor, it's not just that $3 million on the contract this year, he's worried about. He's also, you know, extension eligible this off season, whether it's with the Pacers or whether he would potentially get traded, he could extend as part of a trade. And I think it's responsible to look at the Pacers as, as, as Victor as a possible trade candidate for a number of reasons, which we can discuss. But the strange thing about this is that now Victor is sort of, uh, reevaluating his opt out. And, 
from what I understand, I mean, at least the way, what I've been led to believe, I don't know if it's 100% true or not, his reevaluating is not to do with the three million bucks, although I can't accept that it doesn't figure into at least part of his thinking, but it affects the fact that he's gotten out and played five on five with his team for days and feels pretty good. From what I understand, he looks fan. From what I understand, he looks better than any pacer down there, even the guys who are fully healthy. Now, Malcolm Brogdon is coming back from COVID, so I don't know what kind of condition he's in, but um, I heard he's the best guy on the floor. And it may just be that he's out there actually playing and saying, you know what, I might be able to do this. But but uh, McMahon, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when you guys both disagreed over whether you would extend him or not. Um, but this is an interesting situation now that he appears to be reevaluating it. Um, now, where do you see this situation? Messy. And I think the Pacers are in a really tough spot. Um, it, I mean, I don't know if Oladipo wants out, but he certainly doesn't seem like the happiest camper in the, in the world in, in Indiana. I, and so if it reaches a point where the Pacers feel like it's in their best interest to explore the market for him, it's it's tough to shop a guy who's coming off such a major injury, whether he plays in this. I, I mean, obviously for them, it'd be best if he plays in the restart. Um, looks good. It's a showcase. And, and then they can go to the summer, um, you know, hoping to be able to trade him at close to full value. But man, it's, you know, coming off that injury, that's a tough situation. If they're, if it's a deal where they feel like, okay, we can either trade him and they don't have to trade him this summer, but just in terms of getting value, you know, a year left as opposed to before the deadline, uh, you know, if they feel like, you know, we either need to try to get something for him or lose him for nothing next summer. That's a tough spot. It is. But I think you're on to it. I think that there uh, there was another uh, story about Oladipo where someone quoted him saying as he wants two things. He wants to get paid a lot of money and he wants to win and not just win games. Me too. Me too. Right. Don't we all? And yeah, I'll so, take paid a lot of money first. Okay. Duly, duly noted, Mr. McMahon. You might have to learn what interminable means without looking it up first. That would just be my advice. But anyway. That's what's holding uh, me back. Yeah, but no, I'm teasing. But anyway, I do think um, if you're Oladipo, you look at this. And at the second thing, by the way, he said he wants to win like a championship. So if you're Oladipo and you've had this injury and you've sat out and you whatever, and then you hear Paul George come out and make the comments that Paul George made uh, not that long ago about him wanting to try to get the Pacers to trade for Anthony Davis. And, and George was indicating that he thought he could get this to happen, that he could convince Anthony Davis to make this happen. Now, I don't know. And I've got to be clear about this. I have no idea if, in fact, those conversations were had and the Pacers said, all right, we'll try. And then the, the, and the New, Orleans, New Orleans said, no, we're not trading. Forget about it. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that. But if you're a player and you hear another player who you consider yourself probably on the same level with, and I'm sure Victor considers him on the level of a, of a Paul George, say that, you know, well, I couldn't win there. We, we're never going to win there because they wouldn't pay. They wouldn't bring in the next, the, the second big superstar and, and pay him the big money and all of that. And I don't know the parameters of that. I don't know what's true and what isn't about that. I want to be clear. But there is one thing we do know, and that is Indiana is a small market team that consistently has not gone out and paid big money. We know that this was something that frustrated Larry Bird, who's a legend in the state of Indiana and elsewhere, I might add. 
uh, it frustrated him enough that he stepped aside, that the Pacers have never shown us consistently that they'll go all out to do whatever it takes, like a Steve Ballmer, to win a championship. So if you're Victor Oladipo, you're sitting back and you're looking at that and saying, well, maybe there's a team that would go all out, and that would include getting me, and maybe I can win something. I'm going to be 29 when that contract is up. I think that's the right number. Uh, so that's just a little backdrop to maybe what he's thinking right now. And I haven't talked to Victor. This is just me. Yeah. Well, v- Victor is um, he's a high character guy. 100%. But, but um, he has never been a free agent. So like many players who are at this stage of their career, um, especially players who have some success, they start uh, looking around a little bit. But because of he's had this serious injury, mm-hmm. um, he has got to protect that big contract. Now, he's his contract he's on right now is, you know, He's making $21 million a year. So, uh, Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, he is doing just fine. But as far as the $150 million, I think he would like to sign a contract like that. And so, he, so on one hand, he wants to balance protecting that leg. On the other hand, he doesn't want to hurt his value by implying that there's a lingering injury. And on the other hand, he's also got to ponder where he wants it to be. So... Um, the other thing is this, just moving from 30,000 feet down to 30 feet. Um, when he came back in the, in the winter, he was terrible at the, at the, at the outset. And the team went, I think one in five or one mm-hmm. in six in his first seven games. Having said that at the end of it, right before the shutdown, he was playing much better. His, his stats improved dramatically and the team had started winning. They were actually, I don't know if hot is the right word, but they were actually had been the best team in the East over the previous 10 games. I think they had the best record. Um, mm. when it all shut down. Um, but I will say this. Uh, I, I think we mentioned this recently. They have Demata Sabonis' extension coming on. They are paying uh, Malcolm Brogdon a 20-plus million a year. They have Miles Turner at a big number. I do not see them having four large salaries on their books. So one of those is not going to make it. Um, and I just, I just, I don't think that's a commentary on any of their players. I think that's a commentary on what you mentioned, which is how the Pacers operate as a small market team. Uh, can, I thing, say, can I yeah. say, Brian, just in fairness to the Pacers, I'm not sure those are the four players I would pay max salaries to anyway. Well, they're not on maxes, but they're all getting right. But you, you know, know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they're all yeah. paid well, they're all paid well, and, but, but it's not, they're not Anthony Davis, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. So, and then you've uh, got the Sabonis Turner, you know, the, the questions about that fit moving forward right. in the modern NBA. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the Knicks coach. There's been no discussion, very little discussion about the Nets coach. And um, I'm going to be very interested, uh, Jackie, who gets that job. But some interesting thing, if you're paying close attention to social media, uh, Rich Kleinman, who is Kevin Durant's business partner and uh, very influential, um, has been tweeting about Mark Jackson recently. He hasn't, he hasn't tweeted, I want Mark Jackson to coach the Nets, but there was a story in the New York Post um, 
just this last week where it was posited about Mark Jackson or, or Jason Kidd, who obviously had been, was with the Nets before and left after one year. Um, you know, he pretty much said he liked the idea and it is known that, um, Mark Jackson and Kevin Durant have a good relationship. Um, those tweets and the Jackson Nets possible connection with Durant, uh, have not gone unnoticed in the NBA. There are people who are, speaking about Mark Jackson as a candidate there. Uh, Sean Marks recently gave an interview, I believe it was a radio interview, where he just admitted that Kyrie and Kevin Durant uh, are getting a say in the coaching decision, uh, as they probably got a say in in Kenny Atkinson's firing. Um, I mean, the Nets have eight players who are either not playing or who have come down with the coronavirus, so I'm not um, analyzing their their signings too closely. They're just looking for warm bodies. But the fact that they signed Michael Beasley, who hadn't played in the NBA in a year and a half, um, and Beasley unfortunately, you know, got sick and had to go home. Um, but that's a Durant, <laughs> Durant influence signing. And of course, as soon as they signed him, Rich Kleiman uh, applauded the the uh, signing on Twitter. Uh, I mean, if Durant is really running this team, if Durant and Kyrie are running this team, I could see Mark Jackson getting hired into that job, Jackie. Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all. We know that Mark Jackson and his broadcast partner, Jeff Van Gundy, both went back in. That's been pretty evident for a while. If I were the Nets, I'd give Jeff Van Gundy a really, really long look. I know he's been out a while, but just look at what he accomplished while he was in the game. I, you know, I'm surprised it's, it, that he, someone hasn't stepped up Jeff Van Gundy. So th- that's a kind of interesting dynamic, too, isn't it? If they were vying for the same job, including the Knicks job. Possibly, maybe, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Mark Mark, Mark Jackson's made it very clear he wants to be back. And it is, you know, it appears that the Nets are a player's team. I I guess that's all I'll say about that. Whoa, that's that's an understatement. Well, yeah. And Sean Marks is a really good executive, really good. I mean, uh, he and Kenny Atkinson, what they did, uh, I'll say it again, just with nothing, no draft picks, nothing. The culture they built there, you know, I think it's a shame Kenny Atkinson is gone. I don't think he deserved that. I don't think it's right. And I'd like to know still what he did to deserve that. But that's, you know, I'm not running the Nets. But anyway, so I, uh, you know, Sean Marks knows what he's doing. He's a very strong executive, came out of the Spurs family tree. Uh, but when you get in, when you start signing these high profile free agents, and I, I don't think this is unique to just Brooklyn. I think this has happened before everywhere. You you covered LeBron, Brian. You know what kind of influence he's yeah. had over every franchise he's been on. This is not um, a an isolated incident in Brooklyn by any stretch. Right. So this well, is if, how- if, if, if you're going to, I mean, sell your soul is a little bit of a strong way to put it. Um, let's put it this way. Uh, franchises have sold their soul for less players than Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Durant. I can't, I can't wait to see what Kevin Durant does next year. Yeah. I mean, I'm just yeah. a huge Kevin Durant fan when we're talking about basketball, like just a huge fan. And I, this injury is brutal. I get it, but there's been this long layoff and now he'll be how many months removed before he plays again? Like, yeah. to, I don't know. When's next season starting? Well, we don't know. All right. Fair question. But I, I just, I can't wait to see how he comes back. He's I think the he's most good. skilled basketball player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and, and we, we it's a shame that it all gets lost in the sauce because he has some interesting social media habits, you know. He's still an unbelievable basketball player. McMahon, what's going to happen in Brooklyn? Like you said, ask ask Kyrie, ask KD. They're, they're calling the shots, but obviously that's not a surprise. I mean, you knew the deal when the Nets signed them. 
you knew the you knew the deal when the Nets signed them and gave their friend a forty million dollar contract because they wanted that to happen. And then he installed him as the starter. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, DeAndre Jordan. And then Jordan. Just, I mean, it's just look and and the talent justifies all the uh, all the stuff that comes along with it, but. I mean, KD hadn't played a game, and Kyrie was banged up, and Kyrie's already trying to trade half the roster and talking about they don't have enough talent here. It's like, dude, can the guy who you know is, is the best scorer of this generation, well, I better couch that one of the best because I have to deal with the Rockets and Arden. Um, can he play one second before we just say yeah. that there's not enough talent? I mean, it's, so it's going to be a KD is probably situation. the best scorer in the history of the NBA. I don't think that's an insult to anybody. I saw Perk saying that. I don't know. That Jordan guy was a pretty good scorer. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, but even even Jordan, I don't think Jordan had the skills of Kevin Durant. KD is. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? Jordan, Jordan's uh, drive, Jordan's will is top of the game, but a seven footer who can shoot like that. Well, Jordan's Jordan's turnaround too. But. Okay, but, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, so that so that's different than what you just said a moment earlier. Now you're talking about the fact that Durant's seven feet. That's different than skills. That's just well, a physical, and skill wise, physical advantage. Skill wise, the big difference is uh, obviously Katie's shooting range. Which you know maybe if Jordan's playing in this era, he's going to say similar range. I but. mean Jordan's footwork, Jordan's intensity, Jordan's hang time, Jordan's. Jordan's Durability. Yes, Jordan's um, desire for the moment, all off the charts. But in terms of just straight skill, I've never seen it. I've never seen anybody like that. Look, I'm just look, saying, K- KD like that. would be a bucket getter if he was six foot four, and he's you know whatever six listed at six nine. Whatever his arms are about a million miles long. He's listed but, at six nine. There's yeah. no way he's six nine. No way. There's no way. No way. And he was he's... the one who everybody thought, like the official measurements, he was going to be way taller, and it wasn't. I still, I don't. He must have slouched or something. You know why? I and mean, this is one of this is uh, ironically, this is a Jerry Krause thing. You know, Krause was a big believer in uh, measure to the shoulders, not the head. Right. Um, big difference. Duran has very, very high shoulders. Yep. Uh, um, As someone who has someone who has very high high shoulders myself, I could appreciate that long yeah. torso. <laughs> Seriously, um, a long torso compared to long legs is a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, there, there was, you know, like um, there's I've I've covered some players over the years whose necks are preposterously long. Um, that's but that's sh- bad. That's bad. right. Well, if you're if you're if you're six ten, and your shoulders. Are, are two inches shorter than a guy who's six nine, then you're not really tall. You're not really bigger than him is what Jerry Krause's point was. Um, so I don't know what Durant's listed as, but his shoulders are way the hell up there and his release is way the hell up there. And he's one of the most, he, he is ups other than Dirk. He is the most undefensible jump shooter uh, I've ever seen. You know, and his, and his range is better than Dirk's range. It, it, so, and, and his athleticism, which obviously we'll see what that is coming back off well, the, the biggest, Achilles. Right? And the but and and obviously I've got immense respect for Dirk. I mean, the guy's scored over thirty thousand points in his career. I don't need to go over his resume. Having said that, if KD, if his mobility, if his if his explosiveness is is compromised. He can be a, you know, a, uh, uh, 
late prime Dirk. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. still going to be that long. Yeah. He's still going to be able to shoot the ball. You know, he's know. obviously worked to get that one foot fade. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know the correct verbiage. Maybe skills is the wrong word because footwork and all that stuff is skills like, like Jordan and Kobe had. So, you know, Jordan and Kobe are very similar. Um, and they, but Durant's, is it? I don't, I don't even know if the word natural ability is right because that implies that Durant doesn't work on his game. Durant has become a great shooter. So I, I don't know how to qualify. I've never <laughs> seen anybody. Let's just say, score. let's just leave it at it that he's just incredible and is as versatile and diverse as any guy his size. How about that? Yeah, we've never seen a guy his size who could both shoot and handle it like that. Yeah, that's safe to say. Yeah, and when he got, when he got that handle and he could. Uh, put it on the floor and basically your only choice was to grab him because um, and you know so because he's also a, you know a 90% free throw shooter or 80s um, once he because when he first came in the league he couldn't really dribble that well in fact I think his first three years I don't, I don't have it right in front of me but I think he had as many or more turnovers than he did uh, assists because he just didn't he didn't handle that well and uh, but year three or so onward, when he learned to put the ball on the court, and he has that real high dribble because he's so tall, it's it's hard to get it away from him, and he can go low with it. Anyway, uh, the Nets are going to be fine because he is a stud. But I just wonder, um, you know, I just I just wonder what's going to happen. And by the way, Mark Jackson might be a really good choice for that team. Uh, he's a guy who will command respect walking into the locker room. They're going to have a veteran team. Um, you know, it's just, it's more the worrisome that you're letting those guys make the decisions. Um, because I just don't know if, I don't well, know. Well, and, and, and maybe we're overstating that. We don't really know. I, I just think we should be careful. Well, that's fine. But I, the, you know, Sean Marks has come out and said it, <laughs> that he's, he's, you know, he's letting them have input. And if you look at the, the things that are happening, it supports that. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. So um, now I'm going to go to the Knicks coaching search real quick. Um, this has been a very interesting, methodical search. Um, they've talked to 11 candidates. All of them, I think, have had two interviews two different zoom interviews yet the moment that leon rose got the job it was believed that tom thibodeau was going to be the coach um because of his connections um uh because of his agency jackie do the if the knicks hire thibodeau mm -hmm. uh at the end of all of this do they get credit for the way they've done this or is it all been uh charade what What's your viewpoint of this? Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a charade. We know that I mentioned Kenny Atkinson before. He's got some internal support there. Uh, you know, I think 
I, I've spent spent some time with Tibbs during the off, you know, this off year of his. He was, um, as you, I think you saw him a lot too in LA. He, he looks, he looks great. Looks fantastic. He's in a great frame of mind. He is. We, we talked a lot about basketball, and and I think that for him, nothing was a given. He knew that, and I, so I don't blame Leon Rose for doing it this way. And if he ends up deciding that, yep, Tibbs, I think you can do this, then like it's not like they need to have the coach in place right now. Their team's it's not even playing. And from what I understand, if there is that second bubble, they might not participate. So, yeah. So I'll talk about second bubble in a second. Um, what's so strange about this is Tibbs is represented by CAA, mm-hmm. which, which Leon Rose essentially started the basketball division at CAA. Wes right. Wesley had some role at CAA. It was never defined. They don't have to put out a media guide describing their roles, mm-hmm. but Wes was, if not, Tibbs agent, certainly a part of his representation. Um, so now like the guys who were your agents for the last 10 years now are talking to you about hiring you. So that's unusual. And I don't know, you know, just because he's been your agent doesn't mean he's your best friend. I mean, like, for example, Jeff Van Gundy and Tom Thibodeau are and Steve Clifford are the closest of friends. Um, I don't know if how close uh, Tibbs is with Leon Rose and Wes Wesley, but but they've known each other for a long time. So now Tibbs is going to negotiate for the job uh, probably at some point. Now (laughs) the Knicks and Leon are negotiating with his agency that he just left. Yeah, about a guy that he knows very well. It's very strange. Also, I think they interviewed seven different candidates that are represented by that agency. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Like Pat Delaney um, and Will Hardy and those guys and Chris Fleming, are they all from there? Uh, I know that Will Hardy is represented. Let me just say something about Will Hardy, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he's going to he get a job someday assistant, soon. Assistant soon. coach with the Spurs, um, from what I understand. And I know that this is something that happens when guys interview for jobs and then don't get it. Everybody performed well. Nobody performed poorly. I get it. I heard Will Hardy was spectacular. Yeah, he's going to um, be a head coach. Uh, if it's not, if it's not head coach of the Spurs, Will Hardy, you know, he the next, uh, well, the next guy out of the Spurs tree is going to be Ime Udoka. He is, I would say, who's in a, who's uh, one of the lead assistants um, with the Sixers. Uh, Ime Udoka, I would be very surprised if he's not a head coach next season in the league. Well, he um, he interviewed with New York also, didn't he? I he did. He did. Yeah. Also represented by CAA, but. Yes, he did as well. But I mean, he, I mean, there's no secret on Ime Odoka. He's, everybody knows that he is going, you know, yep. former Spur, former Spurs assistant. Uh, but Will Hardy is a guy who I heard performed very well in that situation. Um, but there's also, there's also one possibility out there. You know, the, the Knicks, next season is, is going to be a transition season for them. They're not going to be a contender, I don't think, anyway. Um, Mike Miller, who was their interim, did a really good job. He did. One of the things that the Knicks could consider is just keeping Mike Miller in the job, going through whatever the 2020-2021 season is anyway. Get another high draft pick. The 2021 draft is believed to be very good, and the 2021 free agent period is expected to be very good. Maybe the best – the Knicks are going to be in a – rebuild mode anyway i maybe you know the only thing i would say that that gives me reason to think that 
that this process may not end up in Tibbs, because I think it will, would be as if they just decide not to hire anybody and leave Mike Miller in the job, who's done a good job and just spin their wheels for a year, McMahon. I don't, I, I don't know if they'll do that. half interim coach? No. Well, I'm sure they be... have to give him the job. They'd have to give him some sort of contract. So you give him a contract just to say, hey, we'll probably replace the guy after a year? Look, I'm just telling you. Tom Thibodeau is not a guy that develops young players. He, you bring him in, he's going to want to win every single game. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to ex- explain why the Knicks would be not have hired him already, which I think they're going to do anyway. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm wondering what's going on in there. But Kenny Atkinson is a guy that has a track record of developing well, young players. Well, I, well, I, I have, I'm not going to say a bad word about Tom Thibodeau, but if they hired Kenny Atkinson, I would applaud it. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. As far as the secondary bubble goes, um, from what I understand, some teams, I mean, there are some teams who absolutely want to do that other bubble. They are dying to do it. Teams like Detroit, Cleveland, uh, Atlanta, Minnesota, they want to do it. Um, but there are other teams, the Knicks being one of them, who have said, hey, could one option be not to do the secondary bubble and then whenever next season starts the eight of us who weren't able to go to Orlando could we get a little bit of an extra training camp while everybody starts you know let you know let's say it does start December 1st which I highly doubt let's say you know training camp would start November 14th or something like that they would say hey could we start November 1st could we have an extra couple of weeks and the reason some of those teams would want to do that is because then they would have their draft picks. If you, you know, because there's, there's, there's almost certainly not going to be, you know, summer league, of course not, but there's not going to be an opportunity for your young players and your draft picks to play in Las Vegas. Like there is most years, the secondary bubble, while it's nice and while it would get some games on TV and would engage some of the fans, I think some of these teams are like, Hey, how about we do something where all these guys, we just draft. Um, Cause a bunch of these teams who are, who are in the back end, they're going to have high picks. Number one, number two, they have multiple picks. They have multiple first round picks. Um, so I don't know if that's something that can be done. The union may laugh at that, but well, the union, you know, if they're going to do any kind of secondary bubble in advance of the NBA season, and I don't know if this short training camp would count. Michelle Roberts has made it clear to everybody. We are going to have the same 
rules that we have in Orlando. And she's been so firm on that. And teams are pushing back initially saying, hey, can we just have our own little mini camp in our own, you know, our, our own facility? And maybe, you know, Detroit drives down to Cleveland to play or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that got shut down very fast. So I heard that. Well, the, and, the, the, and then you ahead, have the man. Warriors who like the Warriors are like, hey, we'll do what we have to do if the league tells us to do it. But the Warriors don't have any interest in this in being. Part yeah, but of the, the Warriors thing. might like to have a couple. Yeah, of but they'll do it with, the, exactly. with their top with their top three pick. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they might well, have. A, and again, to your so point, do we even know when the draft camp? But do we even know when the draft is? I mean, yeah, we, it's uh, October 15th, 14th, maybe, 15th. But, but maybe not. Well, that's what they say now. Um, all right. Well, I'm glad we're talking about basketball again. That's a good thing. So, Me too. Um, all right. I will uh, talk to you guys uh, later. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. Stay safe, everybody. And uh, thanks for listening.